The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 196 for February 28th, 2010. Final 2009 carrier numbers, Nexus One release info for Verizon, and WebOS 1.4 is out. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you by Netflix and supported by listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. This show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application for the iPhone and iPod Touch, now available in the iTunes Store for $1.00. And 99 cents. Well, Joey, good morning to you. Good morning, Mickey. We are in the same room here this weekend. Uh, we have, uh, I'm up in Minnesota in Joey's studio here. And as part of the show, I'm going to put up a little separate video, hopefully, up on uh, YouTube, and I'll link to it uh, in the show notes here so you can see the setup here that Joey and I have uh, in his studio if you're interested in that. That's always kind of fun. So, uh, it's, but it's kind of nice here to be, you know, next to each other here. We've got a, a great setup here for those audio geeks out there. You're really going to like what we've done. We've got multiple compressors going into a mixer with a couple of uh, XLR microphones, you know, with the pop filters and the whole thing. It's, it's a real nice setup that you got here, Joey. Yeah, you know, I try to make it so whenever we're, uh, whenever you're visiting Mickey, we can have a pretty good sound. Well, and I'm looking here at the temperature, and it's obviously a little bit chillier than Arizona. We're uh, we're at uh, just in the upper 20s here today, and uh, we'll hopefully crack 30 here before we have to leave. But it looks actually Arizona is a little bit chilly here too. Uh, only in the 40s this morning, I guess. So. No, it's it's really a nice little springtime day here, Mickey. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's always fun to to come back up and to to do the shows live. It's it's a great thing. And one of the the fun things that I like to do when I come up is is to really kind of hammer on the devices that I've been using at that particular time to just get a great sense of how the network is in other places around the country. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a little jaded, obviously, with, you know, only being in Arizona, I don't travel a whole lot. So um, everything, uh, most of my opinions come from the fact that I'm using them in one particular geographic area. And so um, one of the biggest things that I wanted to test out was what's going on with T-Mobile and this Nexus One. I, I still have got the T-Mobile SIM card here. I've been using it for the past three weeks and uh, been on and off, uh, pretty disappointed with the service that I've been getting. And, and I've been going back and forth on whether or not it was a T-Mobile issue or a Nexus One issue. And it kind of resided myself to th- figure out that it's basically both. It's a little bit of, you know, the, the T-Mobile 3G network is just not as strong as it should be in uh, in Phoenix. Although we're going to talk about here in just a minute is actually uh, in some recent tests that were done, the fastest 3G network in the Phoenix area. Uh, but it, it just doesn't seem to have the reach that the other guys do. Couple that with AT&T's recent upgrades to their backhaul going to the towers. And, and I'm seeing speeds that are up in the, you know, the one and a half uh, megabit per second range uh, pretty regularly. It's uh, it's really made given me a, a kind of a bad taste in my mouth about T-Mobile. And so as I've come up here this weekend, I've been able to test it out quite a bit. And uh, it comes back down to one thing I talked about last week, and that's this whole 90% rule. It's using your device in certain areas that you do. And if you're happy with the performance that you have, that's what's going to make it make you happy with that particular device that you have. So in the area that I was, I, I found that I had very decent coverage on the T-Mobile side, uh, whether I was inside, outside, uh, even underground. Um, I was in a house that's got a basement in it. And even underground, I was still finding myself with better uh, 3G coverage on T-Mobile than I was uh, than I do at my my own house. Um, traveling around a little bit throughout the city uh, on the highways, it's been great. I've been using the T-Mobile um, the T-Mobile 3G service in conjunction with the Nexus. Uh, the mapping application, the navigation is great. I used it to get all the way from where I was staying down to your place here. 
and uh, overall it's 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 performed okay um there have been a few cases uh, i was in a barnes and noble yesterday and had zero service at all but full 3g on the uh, on the at&t network so it's not yet perfect so yeah at t-mobile it's you know their network is so new in comparison i mean at&t's isn't that old compared to verizon and sprint but t-mobile's is new and you know i think they're trying to kind of go about it uh, more of the budget implementation is what we seem to be uh what what they seem to be doing it's specific cities that they're they're really focusing on you know downtown uh areas or i should say downtown but general big population masses and once you get outside of that it it drops off of the 3g but um, you know, for, for the most part here, it, it's been a decent experience in the Minneapolis area. So uh, maybe you're, you're in Minneapolis and you want to let me know your, your experiences with maybe something else that you've been using, whether it's the new BlackBerry, the 9700, uh, the MyTouch, uh, the G1, whatever it is that's got T-Mobile 3G. Let us know if you've seen any um, anything other than kind of the experience that I've had, which has been pretty okay. Um, not as good as AT&T. Man, Joey, AT&T is rock solid up here now. I've been very impressed with that. That's good because, you know, obviously with the, um, you know, the amount of negative publicity AT&T has gotten for their 3G coverage and, the, you know, saturated service and some of the, the high uh, population areas, it's good that at least there are some areas that uh, work effectively. Uh, my speed test yesterday showed me at about, I think, 1800 kilobits per second. It's, you know, 1.8 megs. That's that's not bad. So uh, that's been a lot of fun to be able to test that out. And of course, Verizon is, uh, you know, old faithful there. Everything just seems to work all the time. No problems with 3G or, and whatnot. It's just everywhere works perfectly. Same thing with Sprint. Yeah, that's true. A Sprint has been very good up here. Um, used uh, the 3G card that I have, uh, the, the Air card, and uh, that works out very well. So uh, one other thing I want to talk about uh, before Joey's got a little story here to talk about. I had a couple of uh, cases that I got in for review. Got the OtterBox Commuter and the OtterBox Defender Series cases. And both of those reviews can be accessed over at thecellphonejunkie.com. And uh, the one that I'm actually more impressed with out of the two is this Commuter Series. Uh, so last year, we, we took a look at uh, one of the, the, the lines that they had. And the commuter here is a new one, and, and it's it's a kind of a hybrid style case. It's got the rubber slash silicone uh, in you know that goes right around the device itself to help it uh, give it a little grippiness on the edges of it and, and protect it you know with this soft uh, the soft rubber. But then it's got an outer plastic shell on it that does a real nice job of of really making it feel like it's protected. Very lightweight, uh, doesn't add a whole lot of weight to the the device here. That's a little bit of bulk, but not too bad. Um, the Defender series, though, I mean, that is, you talk about, a, you know, something that you could take a phone and just like throw it if you wanted to. Uh, you know, that was, that's one that I, I did like it for, you know, the, the rugged ability aspect. But honestly, I, I don't ever see myself carrying a phone around with it on. You know, it's a specialty application, Mickey. It's for if you're out, you know, working and, you know, it would be something for more of a, a work related device where you're, uh, it's needs to be a lot more rugged. Um, you know, like construction sites or something is what I would see that being really good for something mm-hmm. where it's where your phone is out and you uh, are getting water spray on you or if you're you know sandy d- dirty dusty conditions is something I would see that uh, you know it, it, but it's great to have that option. Yeah, and that's the one thing that I like about what OtterBox does is they give you a lot of different options. So if you're looking for a case, make sure you check out the OtterBox 
options that they have out there. You can find them over at otterbox.com. The commuter series uh, that I was testing out is $34.95, and the Defender series is $49.95. So thanks to Otterbox for providing both of those units. And like we said, we've got full reviews of each of them that can be accessed over at the website. Uh, next, I want to throw it over to Joey here. He, after we mentioned it last week on the show about the new BezX software that was announced at the uh, Mobile World Congress, they uh, Joey went and has got some potential application use for this particular software. And so you did a little bit of research on it. So let's, let's hear what you found out. Well, what I found out, Mickey, they've, um, you know, they haven't released it yet, but they've published a lot of information on their website about it. And what it looks like, Mickey, in fact, it is going to be completely free and uh, up to 75 users. And what is fascinating about it is that it is going to hit Microsoft's ActiveSync, you know, full-fledged in the face here. And because that it is is completely free, with the exception of having to have a BlackBerry plan, basically, um, you know, the, the devices themselves, maybe they're a little bit more expensive, but um, it's it's not going to be uh, difficult to switch over to it, Mickey. And I'm I'm excited about it because Blackberries provide a better user experience for professionals. You know, if you're doing email messaging, they, the batteries last better. The reception on the devices are always better, it seems, than Windows Mobile. They don't lock up. They don't freeze up. I mean, I've, I've had actually pretty good luck with my Windows Mobile smartphone editions or the standard edition of Windows Mobile 6, since I keep changing the name. But I would love to have Blackberries to provide you know the users with something more reliable. But I haven't done it before because the enterprise server licenses are ridiculously expensive when I've got it already for free built into uh, the Exchange server. However, now that they're releasing this... Uh, I can do it completely for free. So basically, I'm going to be rolling users over to Blackberries. You know, when the time comes, when when the hardware fails or new uh, users get added on. Um, but uh, another thing that's interesting about this new software, it's going to be compatible with all the new uh, operating systems that Microsoft has. I, upon doing research here, because I'm switching some servers over to uh, 2008 and 64-bit enterprise server right now the four and i'm not sure about five exactly but you cannot install that on 2008 or on 64 bit so they're really really behind the times here on their enterprise server and i don't i don't know if five does but in order to get my one free license i have to use the 4.1.6 or something and it's a little frustrating right now because if i i may just wait to reinstall that software until the new um until the new uh bezx comes out well, and it's 75 users up to 75 that you can get for free on there. So, and I know you're not even going to come close to that, but... No, I'm not. I mean, I've got had a handful, you know, five or six, I think is probably what I'll end up right. with eventually. But it's absolutely perfect for the... Um, the, the small business environment like the like what I run for the office is the Microsoft Small Business Server 2008, and that's up to 75 users as well. So it's, you know, right. neck and neck, and, and that's what it's perfectly for because it's for businesses that don't want to spend a lot of money, but it gets you on BlackBerry. So when you do grow, you're already entrenched with BlackBerry, so you might as well then buy the client licenses to upgrade to the enterprise server. And, you know, that's, you know, the way it goes, and that's okay to me. Well, and it's not coming out till March, so you've got a few months here. Well, I should say um, a month. <laughs> okay, you've got a day. A it, day. It's, it's, <laughs> I hope it gets released tomorrow, Mickey. It really does. Yeah. I, I doubt it will, but that would be awesome because that would really help my uh, planning efforts right now. There you go. Well, yeah, it's it, it looks like a nice thing. And, you know, obviously a few less 
uh, security policies, IT policies that are available, but it doesn't seem to be a big issue. Uh, and honestly, it, you know, we're looking at here at a, a PDF that shows kind of the compatibility things. And, uh, you know, for the most part, it, it's it's going to bring in all the things that that you need as a, as an IT manager. Absolutely. So I, I, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, it's a it's a good thing. As we uh, as we get it rolled out here, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But uh, but yeah, very cool to uh, to see BlackBerry doing that. Uh, very excited about that. Let's move on to the news here. First story, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and other regulators suggesting that all states across the country install bans against texting while driving. The NHTSA has provided states that don't already ban such behavior with a basic framework that can be used to build their own specific laws. And they're also suggesting that drivers caught typing on handheld devices while driving should face a fine of at least $75 in addition to possible actions to hinder their driving privileges. If someone is injured and or killed in an accident caused by a texting driver, they, uh, the NHTSA believes that the charges should escalate to a felony level and that texting while driving, like talking on a phone while driving, is extremely dangerous and a life-threatening practice. So, uh, look, it's, I, I'm, I'm excited to see this, that, that they're moving forward with some legislation like this, or at least some, uh, some recommendations on things that could potentially lead to legislation in the future. Yeah, it, it is, you know, it's a very dangerous practice and I'm not sure, um, you know, why a lot of people do it, but I, I, I can understand it. However, it's, it's something that the awareness needs to be made that, you know, you, you don't consciously think about as you're typing on your phone when you're driving that it, it's extremely risky because, you don't, you, you, if you're looking at your phone, you don't know something's jumped out in front of you. Right, right. And, it, and it's hard to put that, you know, if you're looking at your phone, it's hard to think about that and how fast that does happen, that something can jump out in front of you or, you know, or, or something needs to be reacted to. And in order to, to move your attention from the phone to the road again, that takes a number of, you know, milliseconds. It's in the hundreds or, you know, uh, it's almost like the half second 500 milliseconds to get your eyes refocused and to get your brain back onto what you're doing for driving. So that's where it's a big, big risky uh, uh, endeavor to be texting. And it, it, honestly, it's not even texting. I mean, I, I'm looking at some of the, the use that I've had this week uh, of my devices while I've been traveling. And I fortunately have got my wife here with me. And so I've got a co-pilot to help me out. Uh, but uh, things like entering in information on trying to get to a destination in a GPS system is very distracting, you know, as distracting as, as texting while driving. Um, there are certain things that you can do, obviously, uh, with uh, there, there's there's navigation type systems that allow for different types of uh easing into uh to making it not as dangerous so for example i know there's some systems that don't allow you to uh to enter in information while driving um and stuff like that but still nonetheless uh, it's good to see that the national highway traffic safety administration is taking is taking a hard stance on this and saying hey states you really need to think about doing this so good good news there uh, next one here, Gartner has released its annual numbers for worldwide mobile phone sales to end users for the year 2009. The big winners, Apple, Android, and RIM, uh, while Nokia and Symbian are really still dominating, they've got approximately 46% of the market share in 2009. That's down from 52% in 2008, but they still moved about 80 million units in the year 2009. So Nokia is still very, very big here. Uh, next one, RIM, Research in Motion, at 19.9%, almost cracking the one-fifth point. Uh, that's up from 16.6% in 2008. The iPhone OS, up to 14.4%. That's almost double where they were in 2008 at 8.2%. Windows Mobile, sadly, losing ground, down to 8.7%. They were at 11.8% uh, in 2008. 
Linux, uh, that's at 4.7%. That's way down uh, from their share last year at 7.6%. But get this, Android in 2008 ended the year at just 0.5%. 640,000 units were all that were sold in the 2008 year, up to 6.7 million. That's almost 4% market share in 2009. So Android just exploding onto the scene here. WebOS wasn't around in 2008. In 2009, they picked up about 0.7% of the market share, just over a million units. And then all the other operating systems for smartphones combined uh, brought the uh, the number to about 0.6% at about 1.1 million units. So uh, big news there for the, the, the big gainers there, Apple, Android, and RIM, all really gaining ground. And, you know, honestly, I, I look at... I look at what I use. I've got Android, iPhone, and RIM. And it's it's just these are these are the OSs that that people are in love with right now. You know, and I think they're they are the best OSs that are out there, Mickey. I mean, iPhone you've got a lot of uh, apps that are very handy and fun for a lot of people and you know, the user experience on the iPhone is very nice. Uh, Android, it's got a lot of marketing power behind it. Carriers and handset manufacturers love it because it's it's very low cost and it's very feature competitive with the iPhone. Finally, you know, mm-hmm. Windows Mobile was never going to be a competitor to iPhone, uh, you know, in its current state. And you know, WebOS was going to be a contender, but there's just no marketing behind it, and there's not enough push behind it. Uh, you know, the dollar spent on the back end to really get it in front of consumers. So uh, it's not going to be that uh, not going to be that much uh, intensity behind it. But whereas the you know Android has Google behind it. Let's mm-hmm. see, that's not that small of a company. I mean, it's gigantic, and they've yeah. got power, and the corporate culture is, you know, as such, where they come up with these interesting, you know, programs like, you know, Google Maps and Google Earth. And these things were designed by employees on their off time thinking up cool ideas because they get, you know, 20% time to come up with their own creativity and design things that are not, you know, that they're kind of maybe outside the realm of normal but you get some really cool, interesting applications out of this. And that's what's really going to be neat for Android. And we're going to see things that we really didn't expect. Well, and I know you're, you're not exactly like in a, I need to buy a new phone tomorrow type mode. But uh, I mean, what do you, what's, in, what's in your mind right now? Are the Android devices kind of what you're leaning towards today? You know, Mickey, I don't know. It would be yeah. either a BlackBerry or Android. That's I, I true. may go for the stability and the reliability and the battery life of an Andro- uh, of a BlackBerry yeah. as opposed to the fun, um, you know, playful, you know, toy kind of uh, atmosphere that Android sort of provides. I did a test the other week where I, uh, I once I charged my BlackBerry, I've got the Curve 8330, I charged it up, uh, did a reset on it because then I, it resets the uptime timer on the device. And uh, just went, wanted to see how long I went between charges because typically I, I don't even really think about plugging it in. Just every once in a while, I'll look at it and plug it in and charge it. So I made a conscious effort to go pretty much as long as I could where I knew I couldn't make it another day. And uh, I, I don't remember if it was, um, it was around six days is what I went between charges on it. Now, before you raise your eyebrow at me here, I don't make a whole lot of phone calls on it. I would say probably about five to 10 minutes a day. Um, I do get all my emails on it. I process about half of them. Um, I, I'm down pretty uh, pretty significantly this year on the number of emails that I'm receiving, uh, but I'm still probably processing about 20 to 25 uh, emails a day on the device. Um, you know, I do you know a fair number of responses on there too. Um, I think one of the big things for me though is that I keep it in its holster most of the time. So when I pull it out to look at the device, as soon as I've done 
what I've done, it, I put it right back in. It automatically shuts off that screen, and I think uh, that does a lot in saving power. Because if you think about your your phone, if you're like working with it, or doing something with it, you you finish what you're doing, and a lot of times you just kind of set it down. You don't necessarily power the screen off. And that sucks up a lot of battery. So that's been very impressive. But I can definitely see you uh, seeing take a look at that on the BlackBerry side because yeah, it it does a real good job. Yeah, so. and it's just more business oriented, and that's kind sure. of what I you know, and that's why I like the the Centro so much because it is not so much of a toy but it is more of a of a business professional style os mm-hmm. yeah it's it, it, yeah trust me I, I i know i love the palm os i'm kind of sad to see it go but that's where it, we are well it's yeah it's 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 time yeah exactly let's talk a little bit about smartphones and how they are bogging down the wireless carriers here a little bit of uh, talk here this week we're going to refer to a story from ars technica which talks about how at&t and uh o2 in the uk's networks have seen uh, some problems over the past couple of years specifically with devices like the iphone and uh, you know there's been a lot of discussion of the fact that the backhaul wasn't enough to be able to handle everything that was going on with the, these data intensive applications that the devices have But here's one of the things that's really uh, come to the forefront here recently is that the way that the iPhone and now new devices such as the WebOS and the Android operating system are handling their power saving features are very different than what we found with uh, devices in the past. So what they do is when they reach out to the network, uh, they use a signaling channel to initiate a data connection and uh, do whatever it is that they want to do, whether that's uh, receive a voicemail message, download an email, send a twit, a twit, a tweet, (laughs) or do whatever they want to do. It does this, and then it just drops the data connection as soon as the requested data is received. So now that you've done this, uh, you're constantly, if you're constantly doing things that require data connections to be initiated, uh, it's using the signaling channel more and more. And if you don't have a network that... um, uh, that, that, that can handle all that, that has enough signaling, then it can really cause an issue. Well, you know, some of this comes back down to uh, BlackBerry and um, how they handle data because everything is funneled through RIM and they do a much more efficient job of keeping uh, data down to a minimum and, of course, keeping the activity level down across the radios because of the, the, the mess, method they've developed over the years when they were, you know, the little pagers when they weren't mm-hmm. phones at all. So they have a, a, a distinct advantage. And, you know, my theory is maybe they actually do some sort of different uh, packet protocols instead of using TCP, which is an extremely um, uh, intense protocol. Because in order to make any connection whatsoever for a TCP packet, which it's a tiny, tiny little bit of data, um, you have your phone itself sends out a signal to the server that it's looking for. It has to cross the Internet across, you know, dozens of routers, goes to the server and says, are you there? Server has to respond back saying, yes, I'm here comes back to your phone the phone then goes oh okay well i want to do something so now it sends another pack to the server i'm requesting this and the server has to send something back so it's three ways before you even get one little bit of data and that's takes a lot of battery takes a lot of time it takes a lot of data because hmm. there's a lot of data going back and forth of just acknowledgements and here hmm. i'm here i'm yes i'm done yeah i, I want to close the connection i want to open the connection so it's it's not in a very efficient way to do it and i wouldn't be surprised if blackberry uses a different protocol and that's why it's such a specialty service why you have to pay more for carriers and why you know it all goes to a rim you know a rim servers in canada and it's i, I bet that's uh, probably what they do not to mention the fact that you've got uh, SMS messages, voicemails, other things that are using these signaling channels. And uh, when there's not enough channels to handle it, they can become overloaded and uh, not enough to handle all the data requests. So interesting there. Uh, and we'll put a link in the, new, uh, the show notes here. So if you want to read more about it, you can. 
Next story here, very interesting one from PC World. They went through and ranked the speed and reliability of the four major networks here in the U.S. at a number of different cities. They went through 13 different ones, uh, divided around by regions. So it went from everywhere from the East Coast to the South to the Midwest to the West, and uh, basically came up with a very interesting synopsis. And that was that AT&T is number one across uh, all these different regions for 3G performance. Now, before you throw your arms up and go, there's no way that this can be true. Keep in mind that AT&T has really done quite a bit here over the last few months, uh, whether it's uh, increasing the performance of the network uh, or uh, increasing their uh, backhauls that they put into the towers through fiber or ethernet connections. And uh, so if you take a look, I'm going to grab a couple of cities here just as an example. Some of the hot ones here that we always talk about. New York City showing an average download speed of 1.5 megabits per second with a reliability of approximately 95%. Uh, Sprint comes in in New York City at about 790 kilobits down. Uh, T-Mobile at uh 1200 kilobits and Verizon at 1100. Uh, the other big one, San Francisco, AT&T also number one there at about 1190 kilobits per second. Uh, Sprint comes in at 800. T-Mobile's uh, down at 650 and Verizon at 729. In my hometown, uh, we see AT&T at 1190 kilobits per second down, although 100% reliability, so that was very nice to see. Sprint at about 800 kilobits per second. T-Mobile on top in the Phoenix area at 1200 kilobits. And Verizon down at the bottom at 585. Now, I see that number and I, I, I kind of, you know, cock my head a little bit at it because I wonder whether or not that is actually uh, where that was done and, and how often, because I've seen just great reliability from Verizon throughout the Phoenix area and actually throughout Arizona. So I'm not sure um, where these were done. Uh, they say that uh, they were they did a number of different tests in each of the cities and, and whatnot. So, um, but interesting though that AT&T was ranked as the number one performer across uh, all these different cities throughout the country for 3G performance. So take that with a grain of salt. But AT&T definitely trying to make some strides here for increasing the uh, the performance of their network. Well, all four major U.S. network operators have gotten together and responded to an inquiry made by the FCC over their early termination fees. The four organizations, as well as Google, filed official responses on February 23rd, uh, stating that customers are very well informed about early termination fees before committing to a wireless contract and know that they have plenty of choice given the wide range of prepaid providers that are also serving their market. The network operators noted that the industry is highly competitive and early termination fees are needed to recoup fees that go towards the customer's acquisition of equipment at a subsidized price. Verizon indicated that the plans it plans to clearly put early termination fees on device cost labels and told the FCC that it has reduced the number of handsets under its, quote, advanced devices list, which require a $350 fee compared to the standard $175. Google defended the equipment recovery fee on its Nexus One, uh, stating that those who break a T-Mobile contract uh, through uh, by after purchasing a Nexus One need to pay the commission back to T-Mobile and to Google. Google passes that commission on to the customer in the form of that subsidy. And all the companies noted that customers have a minimum of 14 days to test out products on the onset of their contract before that early termination fee becomes mandatory. So what do you think? Is this something that a customer, the general customer going to buy a phone, is aware of or not aware of? And uh, do you think that the carriers actually need to defend this? Well, you no, know, I think they do need to defend it because they need to get their, you know, their position. And, you know, Mickey, you and I both know that these devices are extremely expensive and they're not passing that price on to the consumer at the time of purchase. And, you know, having subsidy, it, it makes perfect sense, especially the way the market is here. However, 
if the consumer is informed, it, it depends on which representative they get mm-hmm. and what their, what their understanding is of contracts. If you take somebody who is maybe a few years older and is not real aware of what a contract even is or what an early termination fee is, if you cancel before two years, you'll get you know, a $200 charge. A lot of times people aren't really paying attention to what they're babbling about. I mean, it's all just talk about technical things that, what is, what are you talking about? I just want a phone that works. Right. And, you know, they may even not listen to them and not understand there's a $200 termination fee. I, you know, carriers back when they first started doing contract, do you remember how shady it was where they would not <laughs> yep. even tell you there was a contract? They wouldn't tell you. You'd buy a phone, you'd walk out and guess what? You were signed up for two-year contract. Um, it's a lot better now because they've had their fingers slapped many times because of this. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if there's any good, clear answer on what, uh, what to do about this. Let's talk a little bit about an- another story here from the New York Times talking about phones and buying locked or unlocked phones. And the question about this is, what's actually cheaper? Now, in the past, I mean, it's been no contest. There's no real reason for the consumer to want to buy an unlocked device. They don't come at a cheaper price uh, other than you don't have to be tied into a contract. But really, what kind of a, you know, what kind of an issue is that? Uh, you're buying a device to use for a potentially a long time. Uh, you're probably willing to sign away a two-year contract if you can get that device for a cheaper price. But there's some different things that are happening now. Uh, T-Mobile specifically has offered two different tiers of plans. You've got one set of plans that offers a device at a subsidized price, and you get that phone at uh, you know 100 bucks or 200 bucks at the most. You're tied into a two-year contract, and your your actual price of your plan is a little bit more expensive than maybe you would get without an unsubsidized plan, which is the other side of it. You've got these these tiers that don't tie you into a contract. They give you cheaper pricing on the plans per month, and you just pay the money at the beginning, the upfront cost to buy the phone. So a great example is the MyTouch. The MyTouch 3G, uh, you can get on contract for $150. Uh, you can buy that unlocked for $400. Now, for the average consumer, an additional $250 up front may seem like something that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to do because you're signing a contract, you're going to pay, you know, a, a certain amount of month amount of money every month to T-Mobile for the smartphone. So, what's the point? Well, here's what happens is that with that MyTouch 3G, with that particular uh, plan that gives you the phone for $150, the total monthly cost for the minimum plan is $80. So, $80 per month plus the $150 for the handset, is a two-year total of $2,070. If you buy that same MyTouch 3G, unlocked, unsubsidized, $400, you can get the voice, text, and data plan for $60 per month. So you get the $60 per month plan uh, plus the $400 phone. Total cost of ownership is only $1,840. So you're saving there uh, over uh, $200 just by going with the unsubsidized phone plan and uh, buying your phone outright at the beginning. It's actually a real interesting look at how the industry could be changing here. This is simply a T-Mobile plan that's happening, and it may not be translated over multiple carriers, but it could be. And it makes us think about the traditional models of how we've always bought phones, and it's you know low, low, low pricing, but you obviously have to t- sign into a contract. Yeah, but Mickey, the only problem is here with the U.S., there's no point in having an unlocked phone because you can't move it between T-Mobile and AT&T anyway. Uh, and obviously you can't move it between Sprint and Verizon. Not so, easily. No, no. So it, it's, you know, the, 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 the advantages of having an unlocked phone like it is in Europe where the 3G networks, the 3G network and the GSM network is the same on all the devices that you get. And that's, you know, goes for most of the world too. 
we, we just don't have that here in the U.S. So it's too fragmented to even make buying an unlocked device worth it because you can't just switch carriers. Because, you know, which carrier is having a better special this month? You can't just switch over to them. Mm-hmm. You're, you're Because a lot of times, I mean, granted, we're in contracts, but if you're not in a contract, you can't move your device anyway. So that's why we've got subsidies. That's why everybody continues to have subsidies. That's why we keep getting locked into contracts because it's, it, it doesn't, it, it, it's not conducive here to switch over. And don't think that LTE is going to clear this up. I mean, LTE is, you know, de- definitely going to be nice as far as a standard so that we can use the, the various networks when traveling and roaming and stuff like that. But you're going to still have phones that are using Spectrum that is across the 700 megahertz band, the 800 megahertz band, the 1900 megahertz band. I don't think AWS has been classified for LTE, but you never know, uh, and, and namely just because T-Mobile's not even talking about it yet. But go and buy an AT&T phone, yeah, maybe you can take it over to Verizon, but maybe not. Are you going to be able to take advantage of those bands? And then what's the fallback? Is the fallback going to be the HSPA network, or is it going to be the CDMA network? We are really far off from making this to be just an easy decision for the customer. But nonetheless, it's nice to see that uh, there at least are some options right now. If you're willing to spend an extra few bucks up front, you can save money in the long run. Yeah, and I don't think the carriers are going to want you to be able to switch anyway. So they're probably going to do whatever they can to keep that, you know, keep you on their network and keep the devices on their network. Yep, very, very much so. The FCC shared the latest idea to help curtail the looming spectrum crisis. They're attempting to gather 500 megahertz more spectrum for wireless broadband use. FCC's chairman, Julius Janikowski, proposed that current spectrum holders, i.e. television broadcasters, are to allow voluntary donations of their spectrum back to the FCC for auctioning. Existing spectrum holders would then be party to some of the proceeds raised from the new spectrum auction. Janikowski said the mobile future auction would allow broadcasters to elect to participate in a mechanism that could save costs for broadcasters while being able to being uh, a major part of the solution to one of the economy's most significant challenges. The FCC is due to submit a new broadband plan to Congress in March and believes recovering spectrum from wireless broadband use is a critical component of the plan. Bell Canada, Rogers, and TELUS announcing its first trials of intercarrier video calling on the North American 3G networks. Previously, video calling was available in Canada, provided callers were on the same cellular network. Now, the three major networks have tested video calls between each other using the 3G 324M video telephony standard, a common protocol on video call-enabled phones. The carriers have not announced specific availability plans for the services. In the U.S., AT&T uses the same 3G network standard as the Canadian carriers, offers, though, only one-way video calling on its video sharing services, and this is only available for AT&T customers who video share capable devices. Well, some information about the latest Q4 earnings here. T-Mobile improving significantly, but an IPO is still a possibility. The uh, nation's number four carrier recorded a 371,000 net subscriber addition in the fourth quarter, which is a big improvement over the 77,000 subscriber loss that they had in the third quarter, although they came down about half from the 621,000 that they added a year ago. Uh, Looking pretty good, though, at 33.8 million customers to end the quarter. Uh, Metro PCS came back in the fourth quarter here. They had 317,000 net subscriber additions in the fourth quarter, which is up around 66,000 net additions from the third quarter and ended at roughly 520,000 in the fourth quarter of 2008. It uh, ended the year at a record uh, 1.3 million net additions for the year. Uh, So looking pretty good there. The ARPU for Metro PCS is at uh, $40.70. 
U.S. Cellular came out with their earnings as well. They had net subscriber additions of 10000 in the quarter, an improvement from the net subscriber loss of 24000 from a year ago quarter, but down from the 20000 that it had in the quarter ago. Uh, revenue was at one, just over a billion dollars, and their churn at about 1%, ARPU at about $47.12. Leap, the uh, parent company for Cricket Wireless, said that they had about 298,000 additions in the last quarter of the year, which is up about 116,000 from the third quarter, uh, but down about uh, 23% from 385,000 from the year ago quarter. Uh, they're looking at ARPUs at about $38.66. Clearwire came out with their numbers and said that total fourth quarter subscriber additions were at about 688,000. Uh, that's up from 475,000 in the end of the fourth quarter, 2008. And uh, they're looking pretty good here. They've got 2009 revenues uh, up to $275 million. Their ARPU at uh, almost $40 per user. Uh, their churn at about 3.1%. So people are uh, are taking up the service, but they're leaving too. So uh, not, not fantastic. But they said in 2009, they had a total of 5,000 towers across the country. In 2010 and 11, they plan to increase that by about, uh, what is that, 400%, up to 20,000 towers across the country. So how does it look for all the carriers ending the year 2009? Verizon Wireless still ranking number one at 91 million customers. They added in the year 2.2 million and have a pretty low churn, 1.42%. AT&T at uh, the number two spot, 85 million customers at 2.6 million new additions in the year and a a churn of 1.44%. Sprint Nextel at 47.9, so just under the 50 million mark. They actually lost about 148,000 people in the year and had a churn rate of about 2.9%. And T-Mobile USA, like I mentioned, 33.8 million subscribers, and uh, that was about a 300,000 subscriber addition in the year and churn rate of 3.3%. Rounding out the top 10, number 5, MetroPCS, US Sailor at number 6, Leap Wireless number 7, IPCS was number 8, but they have since been acquired by Sprint Nextel, so they're kind of dropping off this list moving forward. Cincinnati Bell, number 9, and Entelos, number 10. Palm cutting its guidance numbers this year uh, in the middle of their fiscal quarter. Palm came out and said that they expect their revenues in the third quarter of the fiscal year 2010 to range from $285 million to $310 million. uh, And that is going to uh, be a little bit of a drop based on where they thought they were going to be. Palm expects their fiscal year 2010 revenues to be well below the previously forecasted range of $1.6 billion to $1.8 billion. And uh, they'll be announcing their third quarter financial results in a conference call coming up on March 18th. Uh, Looking at all of these numbers, uh, uh, the Palm CEO, John Rubenstein, reached out to all of its employees, sent a letter out and basically said that uh, they this is a little bit hard of a you know, hard of a thing to swallow here, looking at everything that's been going on in the industry. But uh, they're very uh, confident that the talented team that they have will do what they need to do to get the job done. But uh, it still doesn't look real good for them here. The, the Verizon Prees and Pixies just really haven't taken off like I thought they would. I think the uh, I think people just don't really know they exist. And the salespeople probably don't know anything about them. It all comes back to uh, lack of marketing and lack of um, you know, people being trained on the Palm OS, especially at the stores themselves. I know they, that Palm is going to start, uh, one of the stories mentioned they're going to start pushing, uh, you know, Palm reps into Verizon and Sprint stores right now and try to help uh, customers that come in the door mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to teach them about Palm and uh, hopefully the sales rep as, uh, as well because, you know, they are powerful devices, Mickey, and they have lots of applications that are very good. Uh, they're They're nice, you know, 
devices to hold on to and they they do respond very nice the os is uh it's it's one of the most unique multitasking os's that are out there however nobody knows about them and they sit in their lonely uh, corner of the store and you know what gets you know sales reps attention and the customer's attention is what they see most uh, advertised on tv which would be droid Droid. and uh, iphone so if you're not one of those two, you really don't have much of a chance. And unfortunately, Palm has, uh, this is what they've always done with their Palm pilots back in the day, you know, 15 years ago, they just kind of let them sit there uh, and not really push them. And it's it's very unfortunate they, they let themselves uh, go compared to Windows Mobile because um, they were far superior, in my opinion, to Windows Mobile way back for being a PDA. And it's always, they've, they've just always done this. They, they don't get it into gear. They've done a number of, you know, devices over the years. Uh, the new WebOS has just got the two, though, right now. And we're not seeing much on the horizon. Maybe, you know, they're just trying to keep it secret. We, but We haven't seen anything. We haven't seen room. I mean, we saw the Pixie before the pre came out. We yeah. saw pictures of that thing. So we knew it was coming. We haven't seen a single reference to anything other than AT&T versions supposedly yeah. coming. I don't know that that's going to be able to save them though. Just getting them on another network, they've got to they've got to get some get some different management decisions uh, going here. I think to to really make it uh, something that they can uh, that they can do to make themselves sustainable here. Otherwise, I think they're going to be in a world of trouble here for the rest of the year. So we'll see what happens with that. A survey here done about the number of people uh, by gender and by age using the different smartphone platforms. So looking at each of these is kind of interesting here. The the overall. Uh, I think, you know, find in this one is that the majority of the smartphone OSs are being used by males. The iPhone uh, is about 57% male, the iPod Touch, 54% male, Android, 73% male, and the WebOS, 58% male. If you look at each of these platforms by age, uh, the iPhone is very divided across multiple ages. Uh, you look at the, the biggest group in there, it's about 42% between uh, the age groups of 25 and 44. Uh, the iPod Touch skews predominantly to 17 and younger, so a lot of young people using the iPod Touch. The Android is uh, relatively spread out as well, but the biggest age group is the 25 to 34 at 30% of the people using that. And then the WebOS uh, is nicely spread out too, uh, seeing most of the people in that 25 to 44 age group, that's about 50% of the users. So I look at each of these age groups and then also the gender things here and not real. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to say I'm, I'm necessarily surprised, but it's just kind of interesting to see, I guess. It is. It's, it's um, you know, it's kind of the way devices I think are used in general, any sort of gadgetry or electronics. I bet you that's kind of the, the normal split. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. I think. Uh, mobile companies and charities setting up texting donations for Chile, just like what we had a few months ago for Haiti. A number of organizations are responding to the recent earthquake in Chile, setting up SMS short codes to accept donations. Text Chile to 23583, that's 23583, to donate $10 to Habitat for Humanity. 20222 will donate $10 to World Vision. And 52000 will donate $10 to the Salvation Army. According to the Mobile Giving Foundation, AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, and Verizon are all supporting these codes, and they expect more carriers to support them moving forward. AT&T announcing the expanded availability of the 3G microcell. I look at this as a a story that we should have been talking about a long time ago, Uh, but finally, AT&T moving on here uh, and saying that we can uh, use this device in more cities. Granted, it's still restricted to certain areas of North Carolina, as in Raleigh and Charlotte, uh, but you can also use it now in parts of South Carolina, 
Georgia, and San Diego, plus the addition of Las Vegas. So if you're in any one of those markets, you can pick up a 3G microcell to be using your phone in your house if you've got poor AT&T service. Verizon plan requirements won't change with Skype with the announcement last week that Skype and Verizon partnering for certain smartphones that can use these Skype services to make Skype to Skype and Skype out calls on the Verizon network. They've said that you can use the current uh, services of Skype without having to change your plan. Uh, One of the other issues that had come up, and and we talked about it, I believe, very briefly last week, was the fact that these Verizon, uh, or that these Skype services running on Verizon will be using the circuit-switched data network, or circuit-switched network, not the the data network. So uh, the the idea is is that you make a call using the Skype application to either someone else uh, or you know, using the Skype services, uh, you know, through a Skype to Skype call. And basically what happens is it goes out and it uses the same network that your voice calls right on. What that means is you have very low latency. Uh, they're going to hopefully be able to optimize the quality of it. So it sounds as good or better than a traditional phone call. But of course, the best part is, is that you've got essentially unlimited calls to people that are using Skype and then very, very cheap pricing for calls that are going out uh, to international numbers. So those that are using Skype and have got a Verizon device, you're going to be very excited to be using this, and you don't have to change your plan either. So good news on both of those fronts. Verizon states they'll be doubling the number of LTE markets uh, to uh, up to 50 to 60, 15 months after launch. They're looking to have a number of markets here out, 25 to 30, by the end of 2010, and then they're looking to uh, deploy to uh, a number of other sites here, up to 50 to 60 markets that they serve by the end of 2010. And 11. So we're seeing a lot of different movement here from Verizon on the LTE front. Uh, currently, if you were interested, the number of uh, the percentage of towers that Verizon currently operates that have 3G service on them, 94%. So chances are, if you're using a Verizon device, you're probably on their 3G network. So great news there from them moving forward with their next generation network. Sprint announced an expansion of its buy-back cell phone recycling program this week, now accepting up to three handsets per line of service to offer an account credit. Sprint says that over 900 phones are eligible for the buy-back program and include devices from nearly all manufacturers and carriers. Buyback credits range from $5 to $300, depending on the device and the condition. Sprint says that customers can bring their old phones to Sprint-owned retail stores to receive instant on-the-spot credits toward the purchase of new phones and or accessories. Sprint is also providing online tools that customers can use to determine the value of old phones that they wish to recycle. Sprint hopes that the phone, the program will encourage more people to recycle their used cellular phones. Just as a side note to that, you can always send your phones over to me. I'd love to put them on my shelf. As I've got a new phone here that Joey's just given me here, the Motorola StarTac. So that uh, I think is phone like number 40 on the shelf now. So it's gr- The collection is growing. It's growing very rapidly. So anyway, let's move on. Sprint promising WiMAX for major markets in 2010. Uh, they've, they've got new markets coming online here this year, including Boston, Denver, Kansas City, Houston, Minneapolis, New Yay. York. San Francisco and Washington, D.C., they already offer their services in 27 markets across the country and plan to cover 120 million Americans by the end of the year. Sprint indicated that more markets will gain WiMAX through the year, 
and they currently offer the WiMAX service through laptop dongles in the OverDrive mobile hotspot. Plans starting at $60 per month, including both 3 and 4G access. Yeah, just to kind of add on to the Minneapolis market here, I know in a lot of the outlying suburbs, uh, there's been lots of little uh, local news stories about reports of um, of Clear coming in and, and getting the permission for towers. So yeah. I know they're uh, way up in the North Metro, way down here in the South Metro, in like Savage areas. I've seen reports of them getting the, the you know, asking uh, permissions from the city councils for, you know, tower locations. So it's going to be a pretty widespread uh, deployment too. I like to hear that because like we said, they're, they're upgrading from approximately 5,000 to 20,000 networks here uh, in the next couple of years. And so it's really great to see that they're doing that in some of the major metro areas. So we'll see what happens here when it comes to Minneapolis, but uh, definitely uh, could be an option for you. I know you're thinking about different different options different options exactly well it's always nice to have more choices too and keep uh keep the competition going exactly leap wireless announcing it has formed a strategic joint venture with pocket communications to expand its coverage in southern texas both companies provide prepaid services the joint venture which has yet to be named will take control of both leap and pockets wireless assets and operations in the south texas region this includes areas from san antonio to laredo and in the rio grande valley offering coverage to more than 4.4 million points of presence uh, leap will control 76 percent of the joint venture and pocket will control 24 percent they believe the joint venture will lead to operational cost savings about 12 months after the joint venture launches rogers clearing up u.s data roaming with the new one rate plan if you're up in canada and you travel a lot to north america these are some great plans for you Instead of the used data being deducted regularly from their, uh, their uh, from a roaming plan, they're now going to be deducted from your normal monthly data bucket. So for $20 per month, you get personal email on a BlackBerry. For $35, you get consumer and small business BlackBerry access, which is BIS, up to 500 megabytes per month. $35 uh, on a consumer small business with a 500 megabyte Canada and U.S. data plan. So if you're uh, interested in either one of those, uh, that's a good rate there for the lowest amount of data. For $40 a month, you can get up to one gig, and that's on either a small business BlackBerry with a BIS or a regular data plan, so both at $40. And then you for $45, 500 megs uh, for Canada and U.S. mobile internet flex rate plans. Not sure exactly what that is. And on the top end, corporate BlackBerry or BEZ plans up to one gigabyte with Canada and U.S. data. This doesn't include SMS or voice, but still nice to see if you're traveling around a lot and uh, you want to be using your device while in the States. Well, help support the cell phone junkie by signing up for a two-week free trial of Netflix. Netflix is, of course, a sponsor that has plans starting at $4.99 per month, over 100,000 titles to choose from. Keep each movie as long as you want. No late fees ever. Free shipping both ways. Free delivery in about one business day. Cancel any time and as a bonus to your DVDs. Watch some of the movies over the internet for no additional charge. Joey and I appreciate your support of the show by signing up for a free trial of netflix so this week i haven't had a lot of time to uh watch some things here but i've got the movie blow that's sitting at my house and this is apparently a very good movie uh it got very high highly rated acclaim it is an instant cue movie that i probably could have just watched but uh ended up just adding it to my dvd queue and it is actually sitting at my house right now uh so i will be looking forward to watching that one here uh but a movie that came out back in 2001 i can't believe it's been all that long uh but uh, highly acclaimed and looking forward to watching that one so it's funny because, you know what, Mickey, I just wanted to watch that movie about last week and I thought I looked for it uh, for streaming and I didn't see it. It Because, you know, some movies get added and they get taken off uh, somewhat frequently. 
Um, but that's amazing that's instant cue. So I'm adding that actually at the second. <laughs> and uh, speaking of instant playing, I normally watch almost all my uh, Netflix do that. I watched uh, a History Channel Modern Marvel show on the telephone uh, ah. yesterday morning. And they uh, talked extensively about uh, mobile communications, including cell phones and the history of the cell phones. And they showed some of the uh, your favorite models like the bag phone and the Dynatac and the StarTac. So uh, it was very cool. And they showed some of the uh, the switching, uh, central office switching and the frames and, uh, you know, the cable vaults that come in under the street where you've got these, you know, gigantic bundles of uh, cables that come in and, and how telephone switching used to be done uh, with me- mechanical switches, um, you know, not even analog electronic switches, but they were mechanical or they had crossbars that when you started dialing phone number, you know, a, a phone number on your telephone for your prefix, you know, that first set. Seven, you, you, you rotary dialed in actually accounted to seven seven spots down on one axis of this mechanical switch and then when you hit the next number it, it rotates then on the x-axis to get the, the the point where it you know pops in the line mechanically so it's pr- pretty fascinating wow very interesting there, there's so much to watch i was actually just talking uh, to my family this weekend about netflix and you know i'd got them a subscription for christmas and and they, they've been kind of watching it and they kind of think it's cool they can get dvds and and stuff, and I said, well, you know, my, my father's a, a big sports fan, and so I was like, you, you got to get the, the Viking stuff and, and the twin stuff, and you can watch all these, you know, some of the classic games. I mean, we sat yesterday and watched two hours of a baseball game from 1991, and I'm like, okay, y- you're going to love the stuff that Netflix has. So kind of, you know, popped on the website and showed them a bunch of the stuff that they had. You know, kind of as a side, I, I can't believe it's taken this long, but, you know, Hollywood video and movie gallery is basically, you know, they're basically gone now entirely. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a movie store just across the street that's uh, closing up shop. And, uh, you know, I'm almost surprised it took this long because, you know, the the amount of, uh, you know, wasted gas and everything that you do to, to drive to the video store, it's just, it's, it's such a waste of resources and so expensive when you can just get it in your mail. Yeah, I, I love how easy Netflix is. And that's one of the reasons that I love having them as a sponsor. So if you are just want to check it out, it's a free trial, two weeks. Uh, you can check it out, see how it works. You can use both the online streaming and uh, and bringing the videos into your home. Uh, just go to thecellphonejunkie.com. There's a link on the right side of the page. Click on that. It'll sign you up for a free trial. If you don't like it, cancel it within two weeks. Uh, we, uh, we certainly appreciate you at least trying it out. And it supports us uh, by signing up for that trial. Let's move on to some device news here. First off, the Verizon BlackBerry Storm 9530, Curve 8330, 8830, and Pearl Flip 8230. So all of the older devices are finally going away. RIM has decided that they are no longer offering those on Verizon. Okay, I'm really disappointed about that flip because I love that thing. That yeah. would be one of the devices I would actually consider picking up, uh, you know, the, the, the BlackBerry Flip. Um, the storm, the storm, I can't believe they still sell that with the storm too. What the heck? And then the 8830, that's from like 19 years ago, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I picked mine up in 2007. I mean, it's a great. And that was old at that time. Yeah. It's a great device, but my gosh, why would they still be selling it with the tour available? Well, we're going to talk about the tour in just a second. The, the flip though had a lot of quality issues. It, um, it did. I, uh, you know, because the, the, there, there's one in the family, and that the first one was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it was bad in a very bizarre way. The ex, the external clock screen would lock up, or no, it was the internal clock screen would lock. It would freeze, uh, and it wouldn't change the time. Whereas the external would be okay, and it was really bizarre. But it, it wasn't a software issue because then I did update it, and I tried resetting it and clearing it and doing all these things, and it just wouldn't. It, it was just a, a hardware issue. Um, however, now that the the second one came in, it's it's been perfect. Mm. 
Well, you know, I think they're going to replace it with something I eventually so. here. Uh, we're going to talk about a rumor here, too, in just a second. Uh, but the BlackBerry Tour, the Tour 2 that's going to be coming out here in just a second, is not going to be called the Tour 2. They are going to be marketing it as the BlackBerry Bold. So the BlackBerry Bold on the AT&T and T-Mobile networks now. In fact, any GSM network has got the Bold. Uh, they're going to say the Tour 2 is uh, the, the Bold. So from now on, there's no more Tour 2. It's just the CDMA version of the Bold. That's a better name anyway. Yeah, I think so. Tour's kind of... Eh. Yeah, it's not a good name. And, yeah. and Bold is a... It, it's just a better name. Speaking of uh, names, I mean, y- you look at the devices that are out there right now. You've got the Curve, you've got the, the Bold, you've got the Tour. I, I like that they're standardizing on, on, on these names here. So you're bringing in all these different devices under the Curve umbrella, under the Bold umbrella. It just makes a lot of sense. Fido launching the BlackBerry Curve 8520. If you're looking to get a, an updated version of the Curve, you can get the 8520 now on Fido up in Canada. And then details on RIM's new BlackBerry slider. This is a portrait-oriented slider, something that we've never seen from BlackBerry in the past. Looks like it could be running the newest version of the BlackBerry OS with the newer Wi-Fi 802.11 chip in it. Resolution will be the same, the 360 by 480 and uh, no news yet on uh, when it's going to be uh, for what networks or pricing or anything like that. But some interesting specs on seeing a sliding style BlackBerry. You know what, Mickey? I almost got a prediction here with this thing. First of all, I think it's going to be the touchscreen. I think it's going to be a storm. Uh, finally, it's going to be a storm on another network. But I would not be surprised if this is going to be a sprint device because, uh, you know, the we've got the CDMA storm. And oh yeah, and I just for some reason I have this feeling because the Verizon still has that locked up entirely, and I would not be surprised. You know, with AT and T having the Android, you know, it's a newer Android device and the iPhone, that eh, maybe they wouldn't pick it up. But yeah. I could I could see this going to Sprint. Interesting, interesting prediction. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, nonetheless, I'm excited to see what this could mean. I've never even thought about doing a touchscreen and a keyboard, but you're right. Looking at it a little bit closer, that, that could make some sense. Either that, or it's the Storm Three that'll be headed to Verizon possibly the end of this year yeah yep storm three or lots of thunder call it the thunder the thunder no we're not calling it the thunder nokia's x6 with capacitive screen up for pre-order if you're looking to get an x6 uh, supporting the north american 3g networks u.s customers will get the 16 gigabyte model as opposed to the 32 gig available abroad 3.2 inch capacitive touchscreen Nokia's pre-order site says they'll start shipping at the end of February. Well, that's today, so we'll see what happens here. But the unlocked device, which will work on AT&T's 3G network, will be $455. AT&T picking up the HTC Desire, where Sprint will be grabbing the HTC Hero 2. If you're an Android fan and you want to get the latest and greatest, you can get uh, the HTC Hero 2, which is, I believe, this legend that we saw, Just or excuse me, the Desire. Uh, the Desire was the um, the name that came out uh, excuse me, at the Mobile World Congress, and they will have uh, they will have this device basically looking almost identical on both networks. Looks like the Sprint version will potentially have a different location of the buttons right at the bottom of that capacitive screen. Uh, so no news on those yet as far as release dates, but looks like those will be the next Android devices for AT&T and Sprint. Looks like a device similar to the Nexus One has cleared the FCC, and this one uh, would be the uh, the uh, Nexus One on Verizon that we heard about earlier in the year. Uh, rumors came out that said that the Verizon uh, version would be March 23rd with the approval of the FCC. That could be very, very true and uh, would be just a short three weeks away from now and right during the CTIA wireless convention. So that could all kind of make sense. We'll be sure to keep on top of that one. 
The Nexus One for Vodafone UK should be here sometime in April. Uh, that looks like the latest announcement, or at least rumored announcement, coming from the Daily Telegraph, stating that that April launch on Vodafone UK is the uh, time frame that lines up with the expected release that they announced back in December. The first Windows Phone 7 series partner device was unveiled. If you're a, a fan of Engadget, watch the Engadget uh, podcast, the video podcast that they do. Uh, LG came out and showed off a pre-production prototype that had a uh, landscape sliding uh, heart QWERTY keyboard on it, which is uh, kind of strange that uh, we're seeing this at this point because we figured it was just going to be an on-screen keyboard device. But uh, I don't uh, know. That's a big, big fail uh, <laughs> in my book right there. We've got a, a landscape sliding that, I mean... Uh, 2005 called they wanted their uh, phone back man you're harsh on the sideways sliders you're not i know i know you don't like them but a lot of people do look at the touch pro 2 you know i know but <laughs> 2005 <you> calls <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i'm harsh on it I, I mean what's what's the point of having a big touch screen and a mod you know a brand new modern phone when you've got i mean look at android i mean mm-hmm. how many uh keyboards do we have now that's true that's true um yeah, a couple. G1, right? G1. Well, the droid. A, yeah, the droid yeah, yeah, that's... But but I, I don't know. I don't like I, it? I, no. I mean, if you're going to go touchscreen, <laughs> go touchscreen. Don't do this in-between combination stuff. I, I I don't know. Yeah, ask a lot of droid users, and you, you get mixed responses. A lot of them really like their uh, that, that hardware keyboard and slide it out to do ev- any anything and everything on the device. And there's others that just don't do it ever. I mean, yeah. it's just use the on-screen thing, and to that I say, get a Nexus, you know? Thinner, sleeker, better-looking device here. Should be out in just a couple of weeks. So uh, anyway, uh, but uh, nonetheless, if you want to see some video of this, we're going to throw a link in the show notes that'll have a YouTube video so you can actually see what this looks like. Nothing's going to rock your world, though, by any means. In some Palm news, Sprint cutting the Palm Pixie price to $50. Sprint's uh, Pixie was $100, and then the Verizon Pixie came out at $79. So if you're a Sprint user and looking to pick yourself up a new WebOS device, the Pixie is now $50 for new customers. A little bit more news in a moment, but first a word from another way you can support us here at The Cell Phone Junkie, TCPJ Unlocked, the bi-monthly premium podcast featuring Joey and I, where we delve into the depths of the mobile phone industry and talk about all the things that will give you your TCPJ fix. Sign up is easy. Just visit thecellphonejunkie.com. Click the link on the right side for TCPJ Unlock. Then click on subscribe to premium content and follow the instructions to get signed up. Uh, we appreciate everyone who's already subscribed to it. And uh, thank you very much for subscribing. We've got a great show coming up this week, this Tuesday. We're talking all about the new Windows Phone 7 series devices that were out there. We've got uh, Phil Nickinson, who was actually on the ground at the announcement, and one of the few people who's got some hands-on time with this device that we interviewed. So if you're interested in Windows Mobile, you're going to want to make sure you listen to this show. We'll be released this Tuesday. And some software news here this week. First off, Google Earth now available as a Google App Market application here. I picked this one up for the Nexus this week. Uh, it's a free download and uh, very, very cool to be able to use on the Nexus with that one gigahertz processor on it, especially over a nice fast uh, Wi-Fi or 3G connection. I mean, you can pinch and zoom and scroll around and stuff like you could on the computer. Just very, very cool. Uh, Google Earth is such a fascinating application, and, and it's so funny how you see it used on the uh, on news reports mm-hmm. on, on TV. It's it's kind of uh, entertaining. I can't say that I've ever really used Google Earth to get anything done. No, it's just a toy. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's fun, though. Uh, the Android version uh, lacks an accelerometer uh, support that's found in the iPhone, so uh, you have to actually do the rotation and everything manually. Probably an update in the future here, uh, but nonetheless, very, very cool. Very excited to see that for Android. 
Windows Marketplace has been tweaked, now allowing installs to storage cards. So if you're a Windows Marketplace for mobile user on Windows Mobile 6 or 6.1 or the new 6.5 devices, you can now install programs onto your SD card. The Slacker radio service, one of our favorites, has added wireless music caching to both Android and BlackBerry. Now, I went out and uh, downloaded the update for the Slacker service here on the Nexus and been trying it out. And uh, the caching service is fantastic. Uh, Obviously, I'm up here. I've been traveling a little bit here. And so I was able to use it while I was in the air. And uh, of course, it works perfectly. No problems. Uh, Real nice to have all of this music cached on your device. And of course, because it's Slacker, you can skip through, you know, uh, through all the songs that you don't like. You don't have to listen to any of them. And uh, that requires, though, a Slacker Radio Plus subscription. It's $4.99 per month or a yearly fee of $47. Definitely worth it, though, if you're a music fan. Uh, You can also test out the service uh, with a 14-day free trial. One thing I will say, though, it does take a while to cache stations. I went in and I said, I want to cache a bunch of stations here. So I set up four stations to cache, and it took about a half hour to download all the data for that. So I have no idea how much of the the SD card I'm using up right now, but it's probably uh, taking up quite a bit as it's downloading full songs for I don't even know how long. Um, but it works on Blackberries. It's limited to, uh, as well, uh, it's limited to certain handsets. It does not work on the older Curve or uh, 8800 series devices, so just some of the newer series devices, but still very neat. That is cool. Uh, and, and to me, that half hour doesn't seem that uh, much time considering how big music usually is. So that, that sounds about right for me. That's, yeah, I guess so. Uh, just make sure that you're doing it over Wi-Fi uh, so that uh, it takes, it goes a little bit quicker. Uh, maybe even plugged in too will help you out too. So, you know, set a couple of stations to cash, plug it in, go to bed, and uh, and you'll be good. Pocket Gear acquiring Handango, creating a super application store. Uh, Pocket Gear saying that this acquired longtime mobile application provider Handango will offer both companies to have 140,000 applications on most platforms, including Android, Symbian, BlackBerry, Windows Phone, Palm, Linux, and Java. The new storefront will have a presence in 175 countries, more than 2,000 unique devices. Pocket Gear and Handango have already had distribution relationships with Samsung, LG, Sony Ericsson, RIM, Microsoft, T-Mobile, AT&T, and Verizon. The uh, Judd Bowman will remain president and CEO of Pocket Gear, and Alex Bloom, the current chief executive at Handango, will become the COO of Pocket Gear. Terms of the deal, however, were not disclosed. The Motorola Click has been updated. Android 2.1, though, is still missing. The new version is 1.3.18, and it's basically a smoothed-out, refined version of the first Click upgrade, which came out in early December including improvements such as battery life, touchscreen, and accelerometer accuracy. And they have also squeezed in Quick Office 2 and better support for corporate email accounts. USAA's check depositing application is now available for Android. This is a pretty neat one. If you're an iPhone user with a USAA account, you can uh, take your checks that you get that you receive and take a picture of them submit them through this application, then they automatically get deposited in your account. Joey, I, I love this one. We should almost, I should write, you should write a check to me. I'll just give you 20 bucks. You can write a check for 20 bucks to me. I can download the app and take a picture of it and see how it works. Yes, and, and anybody can actually be a USAA banking customer. It's not really restricted like the um, the insurance part of uh, their company is. Uh, there's one there's one little tiny hitch because I try to do this myself because you can do it uh, even if you don't have an iPhone you can use your uh, personal scanner here to scan your checks but you have to be uh, I'm not qualified at the moment because I, I haven't done this but you have to be like pre-qualified for one of their um, uh, credit style uh, application. Okay. You need to have credit with them instead of, uh, in addition to having like a checking or savings account uh, with them. So uh, I, I don't have that capability quite yet, but I'll probably be adding that sometime here. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty neat though the fact that you can do that and you don't have to run out to an ATM or a bank or anything to make or, a deposit or mail the check in or mail the check. Yeah, yeah. lots of different uh, things that you can save some time with on that. JK on the run this week talks a little bit about how you can add an additional layer of security to your iPhone using uh, a, a program here that's free to download. Uh, that allows for setting up secure passwords. It works on either Mac or Windows here. And uh, the, I'm going to put a link in the show notes here. It's called the iPhone Configuration Utility. It's freely available on the Apple website, and it allows you to set up password implementations that allow for a number of different things, including minimum passcode lengths, minimum passcode ages, auto-unlocking, password history, and also a grace period for the device lock. It'll also allow you to enter in alphanumeric passwords so you don't have to be stuck with just the typical digits for entering a passcode. Well, the BIS 3.0 coming as early as next week. In fact, this one, actually, that's a that's a lie. It's coming on March 21st here. Uh, the crackberry.com website is uh, announcing that the Biz 3.0 is set to be released on March 21st. Uh, they originally thought it was going to be released for the first week of the month, but it looks like a little bit later. Uh, nonetheless, it's going to be very nice to see the new BIS support for those that are using devices uh, that take advantage of the BlackBerry services and even uh, Gmail uh, be- being one of the biggest things that's changing with it, allowing for two-way synchronization uh, as well as some other nice additions. Skype pulling its client for Windows Mobile. We've seen, uh, we've seen Skype uh, has some announcements here recently. Obviously, the one with Verizon Wireless was the biggest one. And uh, now stating that uh, they are going to be upgrading their services to run over uh, the 3G network on the iPhone eventually, although they're saying that they're waiting for some answers to come in from uh, Apple as far as clarification, excuse me, of what they want them to be able to do. Uh, They're also trying to make sure that the bandwidth is still acceptable and the quality of the voice calls is going to work for them. But in the process have pulled their Windows mobile client. So if you've got Skype already on your Windows device, you don't have to worry. It will stay there. Nothing's going to happen with it. But you can no longer download Skype Lite or Skype for Windows Mobile, they said they've chosen to withdraw draw it as they offer up the new uh, two customers an improved mobile experience, much like the one on the popular iPhone. So we'll see what happens with that. I guess I don't know. Yeah, it, it's uh, you know the technologies uh, of Windows Mobile. It's just not there for consumers, so it doesn't make any sense for them to continue to support it uh, in the future because it's just there's not enough people using it to to make it worthwhile. And uh, it looks like you'll be able to use Skype Lite through uh, 2010. Okay. Okay, so not cutting you off here yet. Just got to make sure that you're taking a look at what's going to happen moving into the future. Sprint releasing its update for the WebOS to 1.4 for Palm Prees and Pixies. The updated operating system brings a number of new features to the WebOS platform. First and foremost, it can now capture and edit video. The update allows the user to share their video via MMS, YouTube, and Facebook. Palm says that the calendar, phone, messaging, and email applications have all been given new features, such as shortcuts to allow users to jump from one app to another uh, in a faster manner. The new system software also includes better notifications. The gesture area uh, below the screen will pulse when new messages have arrived. Palm says WebOS 1.4 also brings system-wide speed and usability improvements. The update is being pushed out to Sprint users over the air in the next few days. Verizon users will have also started receiving updates as of this morning, which is Sunday the 28th. The update is being delivered uh, over the air to those Verizon devices as well. Windows Mobile 6.5 to become Windows Phone Starter Edition. So with the announcement of the Windows Phone 7 series, uh, they're changing the name to Windows Phone Starter Edition. I don't know that I'm going to remember that one, but I'm going to keep saying it. Windows Phone Starter Edition is the old Winmo Phone 6061.65.5.3.7. Oh, 
okay, here, here we go. Microsoft again and their wonderful naming conventions. And Mickey, by the time I think we see Windows 7 phone series Microsoft OS uh, mobile operating system, we will, I, I think they'll probably get rid of this anyway. I, I honestly don't think we're going to continue the 6.5 because all that does is just confuse everybody and confuse app developers because developers can't just program in, in Series 7. Uh, they have to do 6.5, but then what a mess. Yeah. That this is this is kind of like this is kind of like the idea of what Palm tried to do. They were going to keep Palm OS for consumer devices have web os for mid you know prosumers then they were going to have windows mobile for for the enterprise users uh they did the right thing and got rid of uh palm os and got rid of the uh windows mobile just just get rid of it all just you know go start to, over start over start over uh, we'll see what happens uh with the with the naming here and if we can i already forgot the name what is it windows phone starter series Windows Mobile Boring Edition. I mean, uh, I mean, <laughs> Windows Phone Starter Edition. Oh, you Windows Mobile Win- fans Windows Mobile out there. Crashy Edition. Yeah. Oh. All right. Let's move on to some questions and comments here. First one's a question from Ralph. He says, "I'm looking for a smartphone that I can connect to my Exchange server that does not have a camera. I'm a defense contractor and have found some areas that don't allow cameras. I remember you had the seventy or seven fifty, uh, and I just found one on eBay for fifty bucks. I'm thinking it's an okay deal. Thoughts." Uh, real quick answer. Absolutely. I believe I sold mine for 150 bucks, uh, back about a year ago here. So if you're a, a fan of the 750, it's windows mobile six. Um, you know, but it nonetheless, it worked out pretty well for me, fa- fairly stable. And for $50, you really can't go bad. And you found one with a camera. So good news. Yeah. And there's not that many, uh, smartphone devices that, that don't have cameras. The only other thing you could really look at are some blackberries. Cause there's the, a lot of times they have, uh, camera less models, uh, they have both a camera model and a cameraless models. Or if you go to something like an 8830, there's uh, you know no uh, no camera on that device. And um, those kind of those Blackberries, you know, you can get your your ActiveSync email using the BIS service. Mm-hmm. And the only other thing that I would I, the only thing that I think he's trying to figure out though is he probably doesn't have a BIS account. And this is only for certain times. I'm, I'm assuming that it's only going to be used part part of the time. Like it's like a, like a, when he goes into these areas, gotcha, I think so anyway, but yeah, I mean, it's a good phone. I mean, it's old, it's two years old, three years old here. Yep. And of course the BIS, you can't do your calendar contact sync, which is a big uh, drawback. Yeah. You know, I, I, they'll get there. They'll get there with it, but I, uh, I hope so. Yeah. I know your exchange and that's, that's kind of the, the thing right now. If you've got Gmail, they make it real easy to do. There's this Google sync thing that you can put in contacts and calendar. Boom. Nice synchronization. So Anyway, but yeah, Ralph, go ahead. Fifty bucks, why not? That's that's a great deal for seven fifty. Heck, I'd buy seven fifty for fifty bucks just to put on the shelf. I wouldn't do that. Question from Darren. He says, "Hey, Mickey, great show. I listened to a lot of the podcasts, and by yours, yours has by far the best sound on part with This American Life." Well, thank you very much, Darren. I appreciate that. Um, he says, "I also appreciate not having to crank up the volume, only to have my eardrums blown out sometimes uh, by laughing or goughing." I guess it's see people doing do a guffaw come on it's just loud you know uh, yeah yeah, just loud you know expressions there you go (laughs) guffaw uh anyway says my question concerns the max roam service that you've mentioned a number of times i traveled to japan and i needed to have data access on my iphone Uh, have you ever used the service for data roaming if so what have been your experiences thanks for your opinion and the great show by the way netflix rocks all right darren here's the deal with the Maxroom service, the I think the best part of the Maxroom service is the fact that you can get local numbers anywhere that you go. So you get one main number that gets tied to that SIM card, but that you can you can add up to ten more numbers. Um, 
the main number on the device is the one that you have to use for sending text messages to. So if you're here in the U.S., obviously you want to hopefully get the main number on the SIM from the U.S. And that makes a lot of sense, uh, obviously, so that you can send and receive text messages from there. Uh, they're relatively cheap. I think they're like 15 or 20 cents, depending on what country you're in when you're traveling. So it's not that bad. Uh, minutes themselves uh, dep really depends on where you are, but it's they're relatively good rates. The data roaming side, I'll just say this. Speeds, fantastic. Whatever data speed that you'd be getting on that device in the area that you're traveling to, uh, whether it's a 3G area in, uh, you know, uh, in Japan or Europe or wherever it is, uh, it is very, very fast. Pricing it is painful. Uh, it's like five, four to five dollars per meg, four to five dollars per meg. Ouch. So you really can't be doing a lot of things uh, that include media uh, or any sort of pictures and stuff like that. If all you're doing is, let's say, email, BlackBerry Messenger, if you've got a black, well, you've got an iPhone. So maybe the, you know, sending and receiving, use a program like, um, I'm trying to think of the one that I use. There's there's a couple of programs that are out there that do some nice ways of, of sending messages back and forth to people. And in fact, if you don't have this, check out WhatsApp, W-H-A-T-S-A-P-P. -P. It's basically BlackBerry Messenger for the iPhone. If you've got other people with iPhones that you want to communicate with, WhatsApp is a great application. It's free. It allows you to send and receive pictures, uh, sound bites, uh, all sorts of different things. It's really, really cool. Uh, so if you're doing that or sending receiving email with no pictures and stuff like that, then uh, then you'd be okay. Keep in mind, you're going to have to have your iPhone unlocked, which I'm guessing you're probably okay with doing, uh, and you may have already done this if you're talking about getting a MaxRoam SIM card. Uh, I was not using it in the iPhone. I used it in, uh, I had a, a Nokia E75 unlocked, plus I had an unlocked BlackBerry Pearl that I was using the SIM card in. But like I said, it's, uh, it, it can eat through your data very quickly and eat through the amount of that you have uh, as far as credit on that account. So be very careful with that. But other than that, the service works fantastic. It's very reliable and I highly recommend it. So thanks for your question about that. Next one here is a voicemail from Charles. Hey guys, listen to the most recent show. This is Charles in Florida. And uh, talking about Blackberries and compressed data streams and trying to pitch it to the carriers because it's such a lesser hit to the networks and everything like that. But, you know, I'm not a Blackberry expert or I don't have any experience at all with them really. So, but... Don't they, you know, when their servers go out, everything is out, and so basically they're processing everything before it gets to the phone, so you've got to have big old pipes going to wherever they are, and then they process the data, and so they have to have a server farm like crazy, and if this all ramps up, then instead of the carriers and being the bottleneck, then they would be the bottleneck? I mean, I, I haven't finished listening to the whole thing, so I'm just kind of throwing this in as I think about it, but anyway... Um, they're a single point of failure. I just don't agree with, I, I hate the idea that somebody, you know, I got to deal with the carrier looking at my data. I don't want this other organization who can look at my data and do something with it and malicious employees being able to manipulate stuff and whatever. I mean, part of the, you know, security is to mitigate your risks and, you know, that's one of the risks there and I don't know, just rambling as normal. Love the show, guys. Later. Thanks for your voicemail, Charles, and uh, for your comments on that. And you know what? I'll I'll take all of your your comments there and say you're you're right on most of those. Yeah, all of your traffic does go through the rim knock, and and you got to deal with the fact that they are going to be another point of failure, uh, another point of potential risk. 
Um, they do talk about their triple bez encryption and state that there's, uh, you know, it's highly secure and don't you don't have anything to worry about. However, if you're someone who's looking to mitigate any risks, uh, you probably don't want to go with BlackBerry uh, and, and have potentially, like like you said, a rogue employee see it. So um, I, I don't know. I, I'm not really concerned about it, though. Yeah, I mean, you, you, the risk is probably pretty minor, especially for something, um, you, you know, the, the risk is probably extremely minor. Uh, unless you're a really big potential target that people are really, really after your data. But, uh, you know, I would feel pretty confident in most things. I mean, I, I would trust the data that I need to, to manage, you know, for the company and to keep secure uh, with BlackBerry. Um, you know, a lot of governments do sue, uh, mm-hmm. too, and they're usually pretty restrictive. You know, like the U.S. government and uh, a lot of governments around the world actually, you know, trust the back BlackBerry servers, which means, you know, they do uh, extensive audits on their equipment and on their, their privacy policies and the employee policies. So in order for them to get the trust uh, to put into BlackBerry, they have to uh, prove um, that they do it uh, pretty securely. The president uses the BlackBerry. Yes. So... Is your data more important than the president's? It may be. It very well could be, but, you know, uh, you know it, 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 they're that, probably pretty trustworthy. As I say, keep that in mind. I mean, obviously, I don't think the president is, you know, sending the codes to launch missiles at people, but he's communicating probably with, with potentially folks that have got uh, restricted access to him and stuff like that. So just kind of keep those thoughts in mind. I, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a problem, but, uh, you know, definitely if you're looking to mitigate that risk, by all means, don't go with the service. Next one, a voicemail. From Tynan. Hey, Mickey and Joey, this is Tynan. I just have a quick question about uh, email on the iPhone. And uh, the issue I'm having is I have two email accounts set up on my phone, my personal Gmail account and my university uh, email account. Um, when I go into the uh, – keep in mind that my default email account is set to my Gmail account. Um, when I go into the uh, – university email account and I want to send an email from there I want it to appear to the person I'm sending it to as it's coming uh, that it's coming from my uh, school issued email address but it seems to always come from my um, uh, gmail email address and this sometimes doesn't work because they don't they won't won't pay attention to it if it doesn't have the university's uh, uh, url at the end of it Um, so is there any way that I can get it to when I'm inside the uh, the university portion of my email of the mail app to get it to send from that email address or is there nothing i can do uh any help would be greatly appreciated thank you hey thanks for calling in tynan uh just wanted to this is actually a pretty easy one i just wanted to talk to you about how this works though on the two email accounts when you go to compose an email you're going to notice that you've got uh four lines on your screen you've got two ccbc subject and then also the from line the from line i think is actually after the cc and uh, you click on that particular line, and it'll allow you to choose the account that you want to send from. So when you compose a new message there, uh, one of the lines there will allow you to choose which account you, you want to send from. So it, it's, it's really not all that big of a deal. Uh, and hopefully that, that makes sense for me there, so you can choose to have it come from your school email account uh, when you want to. But anyway, thanks for calling in for that. Question from Chris. He says, I'm a longtime listener to your show since about episode 20 or so, and I know you have an iPhone and just recently purchased a Nexus One. I know you also use the Google Voice services, and I do as well and love them. I was able to get my hands on an iPhone the other day and fell in love with it instantly. I'm currently using a MyTouch 3G from T-Mobile and can only get 3G service where I work and edge at home. The problem I'm having with the iPhone doesn't have a Google Voice application, and I'm not sure what things I will miss out on with the iPhone. 
How do you send and receive text messages or phone calls? When I call people, does your Google Voice or your AT&T number show up on the other person's phone? Anything you can tell me about this using Google Voice on the iPhone would be a great help. All right, Chris. Well, you know, honestly, until I started using the Nexus One a couple of weeks ago, I was completely in the dark about how great the integration is between Google Voice and Android. Uh, For those that don't know, I mean, it truly almost takes over the entire phone application to the point where... You don't really even you can make it so you don't have a choice. Every outgoing call that you make goes through Google Voice. You don't have any choices to make or anything like that. Uh, same thing with the Google Voice application. Click on that instead of clicking on messages, and you can send and receive text messages real time. Sometimes even those messages are pushed directly through in this little application without in real time, almost completely negating the need to have texting on the device. I mean, it is truly a beautiful integration. Google did such a great service with that. What I do on the iPhone. Um, It's not really all that difficult, but uh, I should kind of walk you through it. Um, I put on an uh, an icon on the screen by going to google.com slash voice. And by doing so, uh, it brings you to a special uh, home, or not home, but a a special screen that gives you the, uh, the web application version of what Google Voice looks like. And from there, I can do all sorts of different things. You can go into your contacts, your recent calls, uh, all sorts of different places in there that allow, uh, allow you to, to interact with the data. It's an additional step, uh, but by adding that icon to my home screen, it really makes it very easy to access. I simply click on that, typically click on my contacts, and then click on whoever it is that I want to call. And uh, then what it does, as opposed to on the, on the Google devices, where it just kind of places the call like you don't even know it, it sends out the data uh, from the iPhone to Google, which then rings your phone back. I think that's how Palm works too, isn't it? Uh, that's how you can do it through the web interface on Blazor. However, I actually use a calling card feature with TakePhone where I direct direct dial. Because when I make a um, a phone call using TakePhone, I have Google Voice set up as a, as a calling card feature. So when I hit dial on there, it actually asks me whether I want to dial directly or with Google Voice. And then when I hit Google Voice, it dials Google Voice number, and then it, it does the PIN number, it does the phone number, it, you know, it does all the 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 the, the, the numbers the dials the numbers that you need to do to make the outgoing phone call directly instead of getting ringed back that's a great way to do it too obviously makes it nice and easy so uh what do you miss out on though i mean i don't i don't say all that much chris i mean whenever i get a text message it routes it right through to my voice or to my uh, inbox so i get my text all in my inbox on the iphone honestly now i can reply to them via email so sometimes i don't even really go in to it i just you know click on reply and reply to the email and the email itself is the text message that gets sent back to the recipient. So uh, pretty easy there. And, you know, phone calls come in just fine. So it's not perfect like Android, but uh, definitely I think you could get around it by using it. You can go into your inbox. You can listen to uh, the voicemails that are left there. You can obviously read the transcripts. Yeah. Transcripts. I mean, all sorts of ways to do it. So no, no big deal. I would say uh, definitely take a look at it, especially if you want the device. Um, you know, the iPhone is a great phone. Uh, I, I love it. I, it's one of the devices I use regularly. So uh, definitely, you know, take a look at it. Next one's a comment from Michael. He says, I recently listened to a podcast put out by Clark Howard, podcast date 217-2010. Clark Howard is a radio talk show host and a consumer advocate. In this podcast, he stated that there had been reports of bogus banking applications in the Android market. He stated that these fake applications could obtain your sensitive banking information and rip you off. He also reported this has reportedly happened in the iPhone app store as well, but is not as common. He suggested that the best way to avoid getting ripped off is by having by these fake apps is to go to your actual banking website 
and that you trust and download their application directly to your phone, thus bypassing the Android market or iPhone app store. Hope this info is helpful to your listeners. Thanks for the great show, Michael. Well, Michael, thanks uh, for that. I guess I figured that kind of stuff could happen, but I didn't realize that it it may be occurring. Uh, I've never had a problem. I'm a Wells Fargo customer. I've got the Wells Fargo application on my iPhone. I've never had an issue with that. I've not yet downloaded an application for banking on the Android OS yet, uh, but it does seem to be that the the store is a little bit more open, and so I could see that someone could slip an application in there and you know possibly for nefarious reasons to steal your data by chance. Uh, not all banking websites will have the information about the application that they have on their site, but I bet if you dig around enough, you can probably find and make sure that you have the correct version. Yeah, and that would be the one thing you'd want to do is definitely go to their website and confirm the fact that there is a real, yes. that it is a real app, or even do a quick Google search to make sure that uh, other people uh, haven't been caught you know, yep. by a fake one. So just do a quick bit of research. Here's the thing, too. If it is, in fact, the application for your bank, there's probably going to be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of downloads of that application. Go on iTunes and take a look and see how many reviews are on iTunes for that particular application for the iTunes store by chance. Uh, and for the Android side of it, you can actually see they categorize it by how many times that app has been downloaded. So if it's like an app that's only been downloaded, like for Wells Fargo, say 10,000 times, you know it's probably not right. And you can probably go and, and, and do a little bit more research. But just one of those things, be wary. You know, it, it, it certainly could be a hoax. And, um, you know, just just be careful. And uh, so thanks to Michael for bringing that up, uh, for just giving us uh, that option or that opportunity to, uh, to, to make us be better, uh, better consumers. And finally here today, comment from Dave. He says, uh, when uh, people are so irate with AT&T and continue to use the iPhone, especially while quality alternatives are readily available on the best network, the older iPhone gets giddy with superiority. Actions have always spoken louder than words. I don't know exactly where you're going with that one, Dave. But I figured it was a good way to end the show. Well, I can kind of understand with the uh, 3G iPhone having so much difficulty in some of the really saturated areas like, you know, New York and Las Vegas when you're trying to use them. But, you know, the Edge iPhone would work a lot better in some of those cases. All I'll have to say to follow up with that one is AT&T is getting a lot better now. And uh, we may not be having these issues for as long as we initially thought we would. Yeah, it looks like they're, they're really putting some effort in. Yep, absolutely. Well, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can send us a question or comment to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com or give us a call, 206-203-3734. And we're both on Twitter, TCPJ underscore Mickey, TCPJ underscore Joey, to see what we're doing. And as always, Joey, thank you very much for your time. It's been great to uh, be here in your studio. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot easier to converse. You know, it's a lot more fun. We'll just do this more regularly now. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks very much for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.